So yesterday, uh, a man was walking on the beach, and he sees this, this dark-colored glass bottle with, like, a cork at the end. So he goes over to, to pick it up, and he, uh, he rubs off the sand, and he pulls the cork off, and then all of a sudden, bam, out comes this genie. And the guy's kind of like taken back. He's like, wow. But the genie says, hey, thank you so much for letting me out of this bottle. Just for doing that, I'm going to give you three questions, not three answer uh, wishes, because I'm not a three-wish genie. I'm a three-question genie. But you ask me any three questions, and I will give you the answer. And so the man's thinking for a second, and he goes, okay, well, how long will I live for? And the genie says, 92 and a half years. And he's like, Cool. Okay, that's like a full life. I can roll with that. And then so the genie goes, okay, that was your first question. What is your second question? And the man thinks for a second. He pulls out his iPhone. He opens up his notes app, and he's ready to type. And he says, okay, I got it, genie. What is the next winning California Super Lotto ticket number? And so the genie tells him, and he types it in. And the genie says, okay, that was your second question. You only have one more question to ask. Make it a good one. And so the man thinks really hard and long, and he goes, okay, I got it. Here it is, genie. Ready? Genie says, go. And he goes, will the wildfires ever stop? Okay, you can tell I made that joke up because that was pretty bad. Will the Southern California fires ever stop? You know, some questions are like easy to answer and some questions are actually impossible. And Jesus, early on in his ministry, as we go way back to Mark chapter 3, he's starting fires. He, he was uh, actually, um, when, when he was healing people on the Sabbath, he was making the Jewish religious leaders mad. And when he was, when he had driven out the market from the temple courts, he was making the Jewish religious leaders mad. In fact, the higher uppers, the, the higher uppers of the higher uppers, the highest Jewish governing authority, the, the, the highest governing body uh, was called the Sanhedrin, made up of approximately 71 scribes and priests and elders. They were, they were uh, in fact, they would meet every day in the chamber in the temple, with the exception of the Sabbath and festivals. And here, Jesus comes and he drives this market, you know, this, this, this marketplace out of the temple courts, and they come to Jesus and they're like, who gave you the authority to do that? Because we certainly didn't. So what gives you, Jesus, the authority to change things around here, to teach things that we're not teaching? I mean, after all, you never went to school. You never studied under a rabbi. You were a carpenter's son, and you're teaching. Who gave you this authority? And Jesus says, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll ask you a question. If you can answer my question, I'll, ask, I'll answer your question. They say, okay, what's your question? And Jesus poses them this question that if they were to answer it, well, actually, it would put them in such a precarious situation that they don't answer it. So Jesus says, neither will I answer you. And then Jesus says, now hear this parable. Listen to this story. And last week you heard that story. It was a parable about the farm owner who uh, has some tenants. And, and, and as Jesus is telling this story, the, 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 these Sanhedrin, these religious leaders that have the power to execute people with just two witnesses, 
this story Jesus is telling, they realize it's about them. And that they're the tenants in the story, and the tenants are evil. In fact, the tenants kill the farm owner's son when he sends his son to them. And so now they're even more infuriated, and they really want to destroy Jesus. But the people, the, the masses, are, are the majority are thinking that Jesus is the, the Messiah, the Savior, who is going to deliver them from Roman oppression, from Roman uh, uh, occupation. And so they, they can't destroy Jesus without possibly getting the people infuriated at them. So they decide, okay, what we have to do is we have to, we have to trick Jesus. We've got to come up with a way that will get him at odds with the people or in trouble with the Roman government. So they come up with a question to ask Jesus. The perfect question, an impossible question for Jesus to answer without getting on the bad side of either. And in Mark chapter 12, verse 13, we're going to start reading about that. But first, would you pray with me? Father God, I I just ask, um, Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would help me to communicate what you want me to communicate. In Jesus' name, amen. So starting in verse 13, we read this. Later they, that is the Sanhedrin, sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. So the Pharisees were like these religious leaders, and the Herodians, there were these Jews who were in support of the Herodian dynasty. They were in support of King Herod. Now, King Herod was like a puppet king set up by Caesar. And most Jews thought that this puppet king was a waste of time, and that Herod was lazy, and they didn't want anything to do with the Herod dynasty. They didn't think that Uh, That was a good thing. But these Herodians, these supporters of the Herod dynasty were in support of his policies. So you have these Pharisees who are completely against what the Herodians believe in. The Herodians, they're just on opposite sides of the spectrum. But back in Mark chapter 3, when Jesus was healing on the Sabbath, it ticked them all off. Now, have you ever been like at a job or at school or somewhere where you, there was someone you really didn't like and they didn't really, like you didn't get along with someone and they kind of didn't get along with you, but, but there was this common enemy, someone you both really didn't get along with or, or maybe it was the common enemy of like a football team or something and it brought you guys together because you had a common enemy? That was Jesus. He was their common enemy and it brought them together. And now the Sanhedrin sends them to Jesus with a question. They came to him, verse 14, they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They didn't believe any of that. They were sent as spies in deceit. And flattery is like chewing gum. Enjoy it, but don't swallow it. Flattery will lead someone of pride down a road of arrogance. Flattery will lead someone with a low self-esteem down the road into a 
wrong relationship, like an unhealthy one or an ungodly one. And the, they're setting this trap, and the bait for Jesus is flattery. They want him to lift himself up in his thoughts way above Caesar. In fact, Jesus is so high above Caesar in his thoughts, but yet as high as Jesus is in his thoughts, understanding he's the Son of God, he is as high in humility. So they ask this question. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? There were three taxes back then. There was the ground tax. So things that grew out of the ground were taxed. So grain was taxed at 10%. Wine and fruit was taxed at 20%. There was an income tax. It was 1% of your income. And last, the tax that they're talking about here is what's called a poll tax. A poll tax was, was any male between the ages of 12 and 65, and any female between the ages of 14 and 65 would pay one denarius a year. And that denarius was about the, the, uh, uh, worth about a, a day's labor for a, for, a, for a typical worker. And that denarius would be paid directly into the Roman treasury. And nobody, the Jews abhorred paying taxes. And so most paid it grudgingly, but all hated it. And they knew Jesus knew that. So Jesus, should we pay taxes or not? If Jesus says, yes, you should pay taxes, now they're going to get him uh, at odds with the people. But if he says, no, you shouldn't pay taxes, then aha, the Herodians go tell Herod that Jesus is in rebellion against paying taxes to Caesar. Herod will tell Caesar, and Jesus could be executed for leading a rebellion or treason. So it's a, it's a trick question. But Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, he says this, why are you trying to trap me? Remember that story I told you about the tooth fairy? I won't mention names, but my youngest son lost his tooth. And so, you know, about five, in the evening sometime, maybe five, I go into his bedroom and he's building something. He's got like this oversized shoebox and a stick, and it looks like like a deadfall trap. And I go, "Hey, Kay, I, I go, son, what are you, what are you building?" He goes, "I'm building a trap." And I said, "Oh, what are you going to trap?" He says, "The tooth fairy." Oh, what, why are you going to trap the tooth fairy? Well, because she has lots of money. <laughs> Oh, you want to rob the tooth fairy? (laughs) Now, you and I know it's impossible to rob the tooth fairy. It's impossible to trap the tooth fairy. And as impossible as it is to trap the tooth fairy, it's as impossible to trap God. And if it's impossible to trap God, it's impossible to trap Jesus. Jesus says, bring me a denarius. And let me look at it. They brought the coin. And he asked them, whose image is this? Whose inscription? And they say, Caesar's. 
Let's show that coin. So on the head of the coin is Tiberius Caesar, the son of Augustus. And, uh, and on it, it says in the inscription there, it says, uh, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Just that word divine would tick off the Jewish religious leaders and the Jewish people. But on the back side, it says, it says this, Pontifex Maximus, which means that Caesar was the high priest of the Roman Empire. You can see how upset they were to be paying these taxes to the Roman government. But then Jesus says this. He says, give back to Caesar's what is Caesar's. And if he were to stop right there, he would be saying, yes, pay taxes. But he doesn't. He says this, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but render or give to God what is God's. So what is he saying? He's saying, yes, Caesar's picture, his image is stamped on this coin. It's his inscription. It's his money. But what belongs to God? Everything. So what Caesar has is limited. It was given to him by God. And so, yes, give to Caesar's, give to Caesar his, his coins. But listen, give to God everything. It's his. And the answer was so high above their intellect, they were, they were amazed. Point number one is you were made in the image of God. Point number one is you were made in the image of God. Why? As, as Jesus says, give to God what is God's, they're talking about this coin that has an image stamped on it. So what belongs to God that has his image stamped on it. You, you do. The Genesis account, remember, man was made in the image of God. Remember, God said, let us make man in our image. And he's not talking to the angels. This is like a picture of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit saying, let us make man. So God's talking to himself. Let us make man in our image. So how are you made in God's image? Is it because you can reason? Is it because you have logic? Is it because you have free will? I believe we're going to find out the answer to that question as Jesus gets answered, asked another question. But this time it's by the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were another, like, think of it as a denomination of the Jewish religious system. The Pharisees, one denomination, and the Sadducees, another. They don't believe that there is a physical resurrection, that, that people can come back to life. So they decide to ask Jesus, another trick question, to discredit him. And they say, Jesus, okay, let's just say that there was this woman 
and she married this guy, and that guy had six other brothers, and Jesus, her husband, dies. And in our culture, as you know, Jesus, that if a, if a man dies, that his brother is to take his, his dead brother's wife to carry on his dead brother's name. But then he dies. And then she marries a third brother and so on all the way down to all seven brothers. They all die. So Jesus, if there is this resurrection, whose wife will she be? And Jesus goes, oh, you know what, guys? You are in such error of the scriptures. And you don't understand the power of God. And in verse 25, he says this. For when they rise from the dead, not if, but when, they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And what are angels like? They're spiritual beings, right? And spiritual beings are eternal. And so being in the image of God is not just you can reason, not just you, you uh, have maybe a conscious, not just um, you, you, can, you have logic and you have free will, but you're going to live forever. So you, Christian, you're living right now in two kingdoms. You're living in the kingdom of earth or America, and you're living in the kingdom of heaven right now. And of course, we know that when we cease living in the kingdom of earth, we're going to live somewhere eternally. And non-believer, that's in Satan's kingdom. And believer, of course, that's in God's kingdom. This woman um, in the south, she had all these kids, and she named them Eeny, Meeny, Miney, George. <laughs> Why in the world, they asked her, did you name your last kid George? She said, because I don't want no mo." Some of you will get that later. They, she, so, listen, you are a child of God's. His stamp is on your heart. You were made to live eternally. So if we're to give back to Caesar something, what, what are we to give back to God. Let's look at the third and last question that he was asked. So a scribe comes up to him, verse 28, one of the teachers of the law heard them debating and noticing, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked, of all the commandments, what's the greatest? And Jesus answers, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second one is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The second is this, because every human being has the likeness of God stamped on it. Every human being, we are to love them as ourselves. 
not just our friends, not just our relatives, but even our neighbors who happen to sometimes be our enemies. What's the common theme in both of those commandments? It's love. Love God, love people. Love vertically, love horizontally. Right? He says, well said, good teacher. And Jesus, and he says something else to Jesus. He kind of reiterates what Jesus said. And Jesus then turns to this man standing in front of the scribe asking him this question. He said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. In 1952, Florence Chadwick attempted to swim from Catalina Island to Rancho Palos Verdes. And so she gets in the water at Catalina Island. She has boats surrounding her as she starts to swim to protect her from the sharks, which did come, um, and they fended off with, with guns. But she's swimming across, and she's swimming across six hours, eight hours, 11 hours, and she keeps swimming. 14 hours, she tells her mother who's in one of the boats, she says, Mom, I don't think I can make it. But she keeps going, 15 hours. It's a 26-mile journey, 16 hour, uh, 15 hours and 55 minutes. It's so foggy, no one can see anything. She, she decides to stop. She can't see where Catalina, I mean, she can't see the mainland. She's tired. She gets into the boat and she gives up. They get through the fog. She realizes she was a half a mile from shore because she couldn't see it. Later, she had said, if I had been able to see the, the shore, I would have pushed on and I would have made it. She was so close, yet so far away. Here's this man standing in front of Jesus who has the knowledge of the scriptures. But Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. He didn't say you're in the kingdom of God. He said, you're not far from the... I mean, physically, he's standing in front of the way, the truth, and the life For no man comes to the Father except through Jesus. He's standing in front of the gateway, the door to eternity, to the kingdom of God. But yet so far away. He's close because spiritually, he's just one belief away. And after Jesus says that, they dare ask him no more questions. They dare ask him anymore, or dare not, rather. So point number one is you were made in the image of God. Point number two is you were made to live forever. Because you're made in the image of God, you're made to live forever. Because you're made in the image of God, point number three is you were made to love forever. So why stop now? Why give up loving each other. Why give up praying for each other? Gary, 
we've been praying for you, brother. I'm so glad to see you. We've been praying for Deborah. We've been praying for a lot of you. Why stop praying for one another? As Jesus is holding this coin in his hand, the denarius, he knows that that very hand he's holding that coin with is going to be pierced with a nail by the Roman military because of the very men standing in front of him. Yet he loves them. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't say, you sinner, how dare you? He just loves them. So we are to love our enemies. And it'll all be worth it. Because when we stand before the one who, who, who not only can answer all of our questions, like all of our hopes and dreams and desires, we will be standing before the one who will say, I'm going to love and cherish you all the days of your eternity. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you through these Three questions, we can see your love for us and for mankind. How you gave yourself up on the cross because we were made in your likeness. And because of that, you love us. And because you want to see us be transformed into your image to be more like your son who showed us the way. I pray, God, that if there's anybody here that hasn't taken that step to just that one step away of belief, of believing in you, that they would do so and that they would surrender their life to you and let you give them a purpose and meaning in this meaningless life, that they would step into your kingdom, your eternal kingdom, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.